Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. Now, you've had a bit of a week. How are you? I have had ups and downs and downs and ups, but I am okay. I'm feeling good. My adrenal glands are completely shot. But (laughs) if I'm going to start where we left off, I went to Melbourne to see my best friend's wedding. It was absolutely beautiful. We were so lucky that we were there to witness it finally. And yeah, we had a beautiful quick time down there with the kids and then we came- In Melbourne. In Melbourne. And then we came straight back home. And my low is that yesterday we thought our dog died. Oh my God, I can't even. Like this farm life, I tell you, there are so many pros to it, (laughs) but there are so many cons we lose animals all this the time. This city ain't cut out for it. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I've been like this for a very long time, but it's like I'm I'm used to spiders now. I'm used to snakes. But when animals go missing, I don't think I'll ever get used to that. So, anyway, long story short, we're flooded in. There's only one way to go. And my dog was barking. He barked really frantically, and I thought that Harry was with him. Um, And he wasn't. So he went down on his motorbike to see where the barking was coming from. And it was in the forest. And we're like, shit, how are we going to get to him? Because it's flooded. So he went to get the car, drove the four-wheel drive in halfway. It's literally halfway up to water. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, just literally don't do that. Anything but that. So he drove the car back up could still hear the barking really ramping up. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And I started crying because I'm thinking he's drowned. Like there's no other explanation than that's what's happened unless he comes back in like 20 minutes. Three hours went by. We were searching high and low. My poor husband was literally waist deep in flood water trying to search for a body or anything that he could find. We went all around the property came back in, he walked back up to the top of the house and as I was crying to get dressed, ready to pick up the kids and tell them that we've lost Rudy, he just starts bawling his eyes out with Rudy's ball in his hand and then I go over to hug him and our mother, in, my mother-in-law just yells out, Rudy? And we just went, what the actual F? and ran outside and this dog is drenched and tired walking up a hill and he's just slowly coming up and we all just collapsed to the ground. I was wearing white just for everyone to paint a picture and we just hugged this wet dog and I can't believe how much an animal can affect like – I don't know. It was a big, big day. Anyway, we, we, what did you call, nourished ourselves with a recipes pasta. And I've got to tell you, <laughs> it is one of the best pastas. Like if you need a warm hug in a bowl, that pasta dish is it. It's a sausage one for anyone wanting to know. But thank you, Sophie and Nick. If anyone's a new listener, Recipes is Nick and my cooking Instagram page. And there's actually heaps of not using your close to tragedy as a way to self-promote, but I just will. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) But yeah, there's lots of great, easy midweek family meals and stuff on there, as well as more elaborate, entertaining meals. But oh, I'm so glad. I felt so awful. I I was at the same time that you were going through all of this, I was frantically planning and you know, getting set up Poppy's fourth birthday party. It was meant to be at Tropical Fruit World, which I'm sure you can assume from the name is very outdoors. Unfortunately, as you can also gather from Jade's story, we have had a shit ton of rain over the last week. And I just ended up last minute pulling the pin and going, we can't do it at Tropical Fruit World. Like it's just going to be a disaster. There'll be mud everywhere. So then we decided the night before to do it at 
you know, the house that we're living in right now and then we're thinking, shit, we're going to have like 10 to 12 four-year-olds indoors in the rain. What are we going to do? So I managed to book a fairy the night before at 10 <laughs> p.m. face painting. I was on the phone to this other company trying to organize an Elsa and an Anna to come. It was going to cost me like $600 <gasps> plus travel fees, but I was at the point where I was so desperate. I was like... I think I just have to throw money at something. But luckily the fairy was astronomically cheaper and she did the most epic face painting. But I'm frantically organising this, which seemed so insignificant in comparison to I just get a message from Jade saying, I'm sorry, I can't do any more on the newsletter right now. Rudy's just drowned. And I said, number one, I'm so sorry. Number two, we promised the people a newsletter three weeks ago and it still hasn't gone out. Don't worry about the newsletter right now, which if you're listening to us now, the newsletter has gone out. We promise and we're sorry that it's late. And we are hoping you're loving it sick. Yeah, and if you haven't signed up for it yet, head to our Instagram page at beyondthebump.podcast and in our bio you can sign up for the newsletter. Anyway, I feel like we've just covered a lot. We have, a lot of ground. All amalgamated into one story, but we're all good now. Yes. I have a four-year-old, <laughs> you have a dog. I have a dog. We have a newsletter. <laughs> we're killing it. All is well. You all have a newsletter. <laughs> now. Hit us with a rude or fabulous slash mum hack, Soph. All right, yep, this one got sent in and I laughed quite hard. But long story, but in year 12, I had to look after that fake baby for a night for an assignment for school. Did you ever have to do that in school? I dreamed of that happening to me and we never, ever got the opportunity and I ended up having a child at 25. (laughs) I wish I did. Mia is the fault of your education. (laughs) But continue. Anyway, I somehow convinced my mum that my boyfriend should stay the night in my room, on the couch in my room, to help. She probably thought it would be great contraception, us looking after the baby. (laughs) At midnight, when baby needed feeding, we worked out a contraption where we clipped its dummy onto its hoodie and connected the bottle perfectly into its mouth. So while the baby fed itself, my boyfriend and I had sex. Mum hack and fabulous. Only now I have a five-month-old real baby and turns out you can't do that. Rude. <laughs> oh, that was honestly one of the best rude or fabulouses we have ever been sent. Thank you. It's such a shame you can't just set the baby up with a bottle and just have a midnight screw instead. Oh my oh. God. I've got one more. And I'm pretty sure it's rude, but we'll go with it anyway because I was trying to help. There was mosquitoes because with floods come mosquitoes. and they With farm life. With farm life. They were everywhere, right? Anyway, I was focusing so much on killing this mosquito that I wasn't really looking at where I was going to hit and Yumi was standing right in front of me and literally just went, Bang, right on her forehead, like so hard. With your hand. With my hand. But the upside is that I got the mosquito and it got blood on her head. And the downside, she started crying because she's like, why did you hit me? And I started laughing because I was like, I am so sorry. I just, I was so caught up with really getting that. I didn't even look at you. I didn't even think of where you were. And I just went, boom. She's all right. Poor no, mus- no, no bites. Just a big bang on the head. Now we'll get stuck into this week's episode. Um, we chatted with one of my best mates, Katie, all about her experience through pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum. Um, a lot of it is about like identity and our change in our identity through this time and just, yeah, her experience. And I think you guys will love it. Yeah, I think you will too. Imagine if we said we think you guys will think it's shit, but like we're <laughs> going to just publish it anyway. But we have to bring out an episode, so here you go. <laughs> <laughs> we can't be bothered recording. No, it's actually an incredible episode. It's a little bit different to the other ones that we've been putting out, but this one is really genuine and down to earth and we thank Katie so much for coming on. 
Now, this feels very special. We have one of my absolute best friends in the potty pod. Me. In real life. We've got Trav. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have one of my besties, Katie. And this episode kind of came into fruition. Is that the right word? Yes. Um, because Katie and I caught up for a coffee the other week and Katie is a new mama. Well, eight months in now. Eight months. And we just had this really honest chat that we'll go into about, I guess, some things that Katie didn't expect about motherhood. Yeah. Some things she was shocked by, some things that were taking a little bit of a while to adjust to. And basically I content farmed her. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know what? No, seriously, like it's one thing to hear from professionals about, you know, changing identity, returning to work, blah, 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 blah. But it's another thing to hear it from the beautiful horse's mouth. And I said, I honestly think if you come on and just speak openly like this, you know, whatever you're comfortable with on the podcast, I think it will be a real breath of fresh air because it's what so many people are feeling. And then I think once you're out the other side, you almost forget and it's too late to talk about. So Mm. I was like, we should speak about it while you're in it. You might not have the solutions to everything, but I think it's important sometimes to speak about things while you're in it. So anyway, welcome, Katie. Hi, welcome to the Potty Pod. Thanks so much. Welcome for a can of worms. <laughs> We're excited um, for it. It's funny that you said that you start to forget that you're over it because literally it was only a few weeks ago and I already start to feel like I'm changing out of it, which I can definitely talk about as well. So, yeah, it goes quickly. Hey, it's it crazy. So Such a wild ride. And yeah. I hope that whatever I say comes across as positive and Also, if I can give anyone else some, I don't know, make them feel safe or heard, that would be amazing as well because sometimes it's not all positive and light. So hopefully it comes across in a good way. (laughs) And actually, Katie was, when I was going through a bit of anxiety last year, she reached out to me and, you know, called me a few times just to check in on me. And it was just, even though we're not that close, to have someone that understands like the, a similar situation that you're going through and how you're feeling, just to know that someone is there thinking of you or supporting you and you could actually pick up a phone and have a chat, it means the absolute world. So thank you for doing that because oh, it really meant a lot and it helped a lot. And, yeah, we really will stop talking about how much we think you're all going to get something out of this and fucking like yeah. but I was gonna say like even Katie prefacing it saying like obviously the experience of motherhood has still been an extremely positive one for you yeah and you know we never want to act like on this podcast that it's all doom and gloom no. but it's this weird pull it's where gnarly. you're like this is the best thing that I've done yeah but it's also really fucked too yeah. so you're we're allowed to talk about the shit times and I feel like if you feel understood in the shit times it makes the shit times easier and the good times even better totally yeah totally. so tell us a bit about your life pre-parenthood pre-parenthood well pre-parenthood is uh, it's also pre-covid so my life pre-parenthood was I worked as a photographer and a director and also I did some brand ambassador work as well so my year 2019 I think is that when COVID hit? 2020 is when it hit. Hit. So 2019, to put it into perspective, my partner and I had like 60 days in Australia and that was about it for the entire year. So we were just oh, wow. away constantly for work, flat out. Which and your was partner amazing. does the same. Yeah, so he's a, he's a filmer as well. So, yeah, we were just flat out. We'd kind of gotten our careers to a point where we were basically chasing the globe and the trajectory for the next three years before COVID looked like it was going to be the same. So, yeah, it was awesome. We had heaps of fun together, traveling, seeing the world and working. Um, And so I guess pre-mother COVID hit and we were very lucky because Sophie and I became super close because we were neighbors. So we lived upstairs to hers. And I got to hang out with the beautiful Poppy and Goldie nearly every day, which was amazing. And Sophie had just had Goldie too. So Jay and I felt like, because also Sophie's family was in Melbourne. So we felt like we were not pseudo raising Goldie, but we were like super involved in the everyday life of Goldie. And that was just amazing. We have so many funny memories from like raves in the the lounge room. and Basically because we live on top Top and below one another and basically everyone's work like stopped we all 
locked down together, together because we were literally under the same roof. And so it's crazy. Like it was really hard at times, but also some of the most incredible memories because we were such a support for one another. Totally. And like we'd take it in turns who would do dinner each night. And yeah. it was cool. It was, it was kind really of making experience. lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing and obviously, you know, having a newborn so close, did that give you that feeling to go, well, there's no better time than now to have 100%. Our own. Yeah, 100%. I think that it definitely encouraged that well, conversation so. with Jay and I. We often joke that Nick put holes in our condoms. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it definitely encouraged that conversation with Jay. And, oh, well, if it wasn't Nick, it was going to be Timmy, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it definitely encouraged that conversation to start talking about kids because we had we always knew that we wanted to have them. But because we were traveling so much and away for work and really chasing that, it never really seemed like the right time to kind of talk about it properly. Yeah, we never really stopped. And often Jay and I would go kind of months without seeing each other as well. He'd be in the mentors and I'd be in London. So it'd be so different. Um, it all sounds very glamorous now, doesn't it? Seeing as we sounds all haven't fabulous. left like a twenty k no. radius of anything, our house. anything out of Australia or even just holiday <laughs> out travel. Of yeah, out of this pod is fabulous. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely, we got to see. I feel like through that experience, um, and I'm sure Sophie won't mind. I, we got to see like the nitty gritties that everything is not sunshine and roses, and stuff can be really, really hard. Um, and there's days of just tears constantly and arguments with your partner and whatever. But we also got to see all the magic and how like it is in many ways a beautiful chaos that just keeps rolling and there's all the moments of beauty are hidden in amongst there. It's just this big mash of mush that's wonderful and beautiful at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then so you find out you're pregnant. Yep. Did it take long to get pregnant? I'm asking these questions like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm basically new and there's still urine dripping off the stick when I'm here like, no, tell me. Um, no, it definitely happened a little bit sooner. Well, very quick for us, which in many ways we were lucky, but also in so many ways as well, it was quite a shock that we were like, oh, whoa, okay, I guess that happened and what do we do from here? Like I think we were kind of prepared that if we dabble in this area, it could take us a long time, but all of a sudden, boom, we were pregnant and I went, holy shit. And I remember actually Soph saying to me, I think I was having a wig out week six or something, and Soph goes, it's okay, you're pregnant for nine months for a reason, like you do not have to have everything sorted out right now, it'll all work its way out the way that it's meant to be through that nine months yeah and it's true I think in that first trimester you go like is the house we're living in equipped for it what do I do with work because of this how are we gonna parent and it's like I do think there's a reason that humans have such a long gestation totally and, and throw in the mix of COVID a, too we yeah. were like mm. well what's work gonna look like I was terrified to tell all of my clients that I was pregnant because I was like if work wasn't slow already Who's going to want a pregnant person on their shoot, you know? And how were you? How were you feeling? Were you really sick? Pregnancy was very rough for me. Yes, I was sick the whole time. I wasn't vomiting constantly like Sophie was or other people with hyperemesis, but I was definitely living on and on and on, on, Danzatron. on Danzatron like every single day. Just to get through, I was really nauseous. I was probably throwing up once or twice a day. I honestly think, that, and I say this a lot, but being nauseous, nauseous and feeling that is almost worse than not having that reprieve yeah I agree when you like it depends where you are if you're out in public obviously you don't want to just be like vomiting on the street but at least there is some reprieve with the vomit whereas the nausea just feels so at least if you're vomiting you've got like three minutes maybe afterwards that you feel quite good (laughs) and that's like literally how I knew I was pregnant instantly the first thing was I was off coffee and so I was like, I'm going to do a pregnancy test. And I found out I was pregnant. And then I was meeting mum up. Jay wasn't home, so I hadn't told Jay yet. I was meeting mum and mum was like, oh, can you get me a coffee and meet me down the creek? And the whole experience, like Tucker is literally my second home, which is a coffee shop in Casuarina near us. It's literally my second home, like as pretty much everyone in Casuarina. Everyone's there every day. And never have I hated a place so much. <laughs> I walked in and literally everyone greeted me with the nicest smile and I felt like just going, 
<laughs> and so I had this awful thing of having to get the coffees, take them into my car. They obviously spilled a little bit in the car. The car smelled of coffee, having to give my mum look straight in the face. And she's like, why don't you want a coffee? Oh, I've had too many today. But yeah, pregnancy was definitely a journey. <laughs> I was very sick for most of it. I remember getting to the end of the first trimester and being so excited because I was like, oh, the second trimester, everyone, I can get my life in order. I can do so much stuff. But definitely not still sick and that was that was really challenging I think think no matter how sick you are in the first trimester three months is still a really long time and I'm not downplaying that but I feel like because everyone talks about it being the first trimester you have this sense of hope towards the second trimester. I remember one of my friends when I was pregnant with Poppy and so sick in the first trimester said, oh, but just you wait till you get the second trimester. Even now I wish I could bottle up that feeling Mm. and like take it in a pill every morning because you're just so productive, you feel so good, you're not too good yet. And I remember getting to the second trimester and just feeling so ripped off and just being like, oh, well, maybe next week, maybe next week. And it kind of never came. So I think that's such a mental fuck. Totally. And the other thing too is just the tiredness. I think being tired in your first trimester is way worse than being tired as having a newborn for me anyways. That experience was way worse. Like I've had two hilarious stories. One was Jay came home and I was asleep standing up in the shower with the lights off. (laughs) (laughs) With the shower running. With the shower running. in the shower? I was in the shower. (laughs) Jay walks in and I burst into tears because I'm in shock that I'm naked in the dark in the shower. Were you like head against the wall? No, I was just standing there like a, like, I don't know, like a sleeping horse. It was horrible. We've called you a horse twice already, this chat. Maybe that's my spirit animal. And then the second story that I have that is just shocking again, another time Jay came home and my car was running in the driveway, (laughs) keys phone, wallet sitting in my car, all the doors open because I was emptying the car. And, and can I say at this stage we lived in a shared driveway so it was our houses and another house that all shared this driveway. So it could have been quite inconvenient if anyone was home. Anyway, I'm asleep like <laughs> on the couch. I'd obviously sat down for a hot second. <laughs> Doors are open. Like he probably thought you were abducted from the car. Probably it was pretty shocking. And Jay came home. What we'd figured out was like forty minutes later, and it was like dark at night. It was pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say Katie normally is like she doesn't miss a beat. She never loses anything. She's very organized. I know internally she would roll her eyes at Nick and I all the time because we're just like hopeless. Like we don't maintain things. Nick's always lost something. Jay and Katie are like impeccable. So for these things to happen to Katie, it's like so uncharacteristic. For your anxiety, even in that sense, like for me, that would that would make me freak out because I'd be thinking, that's not what I do. Like that's not normally my behavior. What is happening? How did you feel when he told you um you're on the couch and you've left the car? (laughs) I feel like I was still so out of it that I was like, oh fuck, spewing. (laughs) Like I had no like emotion to it. I was like, like, oh, well, (laughs) I guess that's what growing a baby does. It's just, it's crazy. It just wipes you. And knowing you, I'll stop framing it in ways that I don't know the answer. You're normally a very active, adventurous person. And I know you struggled a lot with the physical side of pregnancy. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, totally. So besides being super sick and tired in the first trimester, jumped through to the second trimester, still sick, still tired. But I reckon I had maybe like a three-week window where I actually did feel good. I managed to do some exercise and I felt productive and great. And then, yeah, third trimester, that was a tough one for me. To put it into perspective, before I felt pregnant, I was running probably between 12 and 15 Ks every second day or two or three times a week. So I was really fit, surfing, doing a bunch of different things. And also my work is quite physical too, particularly film work. You're carrying big cases and they're long days in the sun. So I was pretty fit and feeling great. So third trimester totally slammed me. Besides being sick, I definitely felt like I got a lot of this, except for anything like extremely wrong or complicated. Like I didn't have a complicated pregnancy at all, which I was really grateful for. But like I definitely got slammed with like a lot of symptomology. I got crazy leg cramps, the tiredness, the reflux I had. 
in third trimester, I had, um, they thought that my waters had broken early, but it hadn't. I just had like gross stuff down below. It was just a whole situation, <laughs> which anyone in we their third trimester, chat, yeah, <laughs> if anyone has been in third trimester, they know it's interesting. And Pip was pressing really low as well, which is also another reason that they thought my waters had broken because she kind of lodged herself into the birth canal pretty early. So I had a lot of like pressure in the groinal area. So, yeah, I found it really, really challenging that I just physically wasn't able to do anything, like any of the stuff that I could normally do. I mean, I made a, I'm pretty strong minded and I definitely like to make the most of out of any opportunity I have. So I, I was still trying to be active and walking a lot and swimming. I swam a lot because I couldn't surf and I just craved being in the ocean. So I would just take my flippers and swim out the back with the boys and just swim around and which I loved. But yeah, I found that really, really challenging and I think as well part of my my favorite thing about my well I've got lots of favorite things about my relationship with Jay but one of the things is that a lot of our hobbies are the same yeah I was just thinking yeah so not only do we work together but like he's literally my best friend and we we do everything together I think it's definitely changed now which we can talk about later but that we'd surf together we'd go um Nick and Jay have got a jet ski together so we'd go out and just do everything together so I found that really challenging and it's one thing to not be able to do it but then to watch someone else exactly and also like I definitely am able to admit especially because we lived down below Nick and Soph I found it really challenging that Nick would go and take Jay to go do some of the activities that I love to go do Mm. and I just felt like I'm a mad sufferer of FOMO I hate seeing like I have to miss out on stuff So I found that really, really hard for sure. It was like a mental challenge to kind of go, okay, it's this is a sacrifice for me to have a baby, I guess, and at some point I'm just going to have to like suck it up and hope that it doesn't last forever. But, um, yeah, third trimester was definitely hard. And as well, one of the other things that I found challenging in the third trimester was um, they talk about baby brain, like when you have a newborn and stuff. I had that more so through my pregnancy when Pip was born it was lifted and gone I could think so clearly but during my pregnancy I was so like so said I'm normally like quite methodical with all my stuff like I was unrecognizable in my own brain it was just this fog like I rocked up to work without a camera like (laughs) (laughs) so like I just my brain was just scat And by the time I got to the third trimester, particularly towards the end, and it could have been a concoction of, well, I mean, it it has to have been a concoction of all the hormones and stuff that was going through me. But it just got to the point where I was so unrecognizable to myself. And I got to this point of probably what now I look back on probably would have been a bit of antenatal depression Mm. because I was so unrecognizable in my own self like that. I had no memory. I wasn't able to do anything that I wanted to do. I'd never been a mum before, so I'd never experienced like this so-called love that they say we're going to yeah, get. Yeah. You know, I was just, you know, you're you're selfish in that way because you've never experienced anything greater you're than that. You're waiting, right? You're waiting. You've got this anticipation, this looming of, well, I have to prepare to give birth and what that's going to look like. And I wonder if part of it is also like a lot of people talk about, you know, a, a change in identity and stuff when the baby comes, mm. but people don't really talk about it when you're pregnant. So you probably felt like I don't recognize myself now. Totally. What the fuck is it's that going to be happen, like when yeah. I actually am technically a mum. I mean, of course you're a mum as soon as you, you know, are pregnant, but I imagine, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but I imagine that's a thought as well. Just to go back to the end of that last trimester is I think it got to this point and I I remember kind of saying to Jay, because you've got that looming too that you're going to change forever because people say that like motherhood's going to change you forever and you don't, no one knows what that's going to look like for something that is so common your experience is so unique, you know, like in so many ways you can't talk to people about it because they haven't experienced that, but yet everybody has an opinion because it's such a common thing to have a baby. But yeah, end of third trimester, I remember just saying to Jay, like there were tears pretty much every single day. And I just said like, look, I don't know if this is going to be for me forever. And if it is, I'm sorry, I'm not the person that you like thought that you wanted to be in a relationship with because I just don't know if this is going to be me forever. And we're just going to have to find a new way of making it work because this is just not working. No, it's true. It was like I had to, I think for me, I had to accept rather than blame and go, okay, this might be who I am forever. And like that has to be okay. Do you think 
if you went to a doctor or you spoke about how you were feeling because it sounds like you're very internalized would that have helped like for me I know I'm not saying that you did because I don't know and I'm not a doctor but do you think it sounds like it was prenatal depression. Yeah, probably. I think it's one of those hindsight things though now because now I feel like I've gone through that and we can talk about the birth and all that stuff. So I feel like hindsight probably not, but maybe in the moment if that was offered to me, I probably would have, or if I talked about it with someone else, I probably would have but taken that. I wonder that. if it would have just be put down to like, oh, yeah, like you're really far along, like of course you're feeling like yeah. this way. But they can do tests. Like the fact that she's saying I don't know who I am and the fact that she's yeah. telling her partner now this is going to be different because I'm like it, it, there's so many different signs that are trigger warnings to I mean also just having that FOMO and not being able to like have that really nice light that feeling mm. then you know the difference you know the difference between the two of those mm. feelings and emotions perhaps that would have helped and the only reason I'm saying it is because if there are people listening now and and they have similar feelings and they might be sitting there going especially if it's their first pregnancy like do you expect that this is how you feel Mm -hmm. like confused or maybe this is not how you should feel and maybe there are ways that you can you can help yourself or get help totally I mean some of the ways like for sure I think if you are in a position that you've you want to seek medical help, I think definitely 100%. I think I believe in counselling and all of that. It's amazing. It's such a beautiful service. But I think some of the things that helped me was my faith, having that, something bigger than me to hold on to. Also, I had, as Jade spoken before, I've had experiences of anxiety before. As a kid, I had suffered from really bad anxiety. So I have a pretty good emotional awareness of what's going on in my brain and how to pull myself out of those spirals. So although I felt like, okay, I need to accept that this is what it's going to be like for me, I also had ways to pull me out of that. A lot of the time I retreat and I just hone in with myself. I go and sit and watch the ocean and I do things to like Mm. clear my head to get through. So yeah, it's a ride. <laughs> In what way do you think that you were saying to Jay, I'm sorry if I've changed forever? Because obviously you knew physically like you weren't going to be 40 weeks pregnant forever. Yeah. Like what were the main thing? Was it like the fogginess? Or- yeah, the fogginess, the like uh, it, it's, again, it's so hard to articulate and try and explain it to someone because it is so personal. Yeah. But Yeah, the fogginess, the – obviously, I was super highly sensitive to – I think anyone in the third trimester is, like, pretty strong in some ways. I think as well pregnancy can bring up a lot of, like, trauma from experiences and stuff that probably never – you never used to think affected you, but it can all come up. It's such a primal, amazing emotional experience being pregnant. It's just, like – it's it's such a spiritual thing. I really believe it is. So all this stuff comes up, I think. And so the way that I felt like I'd changed forever is, yeah, the, just the fogginess and things that bothered me that never used to bother me. I went super internal. They, they say it actually in antenatal stuff that you're like a little cat that like hides in a corner and mm-hmm. like just gives birth silently. Like that's kind of how I felt. I just like- <laughs> Did you give birth silently? Absolutely not. Um, no, well, actually I did until until the end. Um, the end. I, I did until the <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just had, I was really retreated and yeah, in a really shit headspace and just mm. miserable. So I think I just felt really bad for Jay because it was something that there's a lot of anticipation for the man as well. And they're really excited. And I just was. He went on a jet ski and did some fun stuff. So. Well, I remember that being so hard is he was like on paternity leave basically, but because you went overdue, yeah. he had these couple of weeks oh, that were like the best God. weeks of his fucking life. And Katie's there like on the couch, can barely move. And he's off like, yeah. he's like, just call me if you go into labor. Yeah. And she's like, this is the best weeks of his life. And yeah. I'm having the worst weeks yeah. of mine. But there was nothing I could do no, about it. There's either. no point of him sitting on the no. couch. Exactly. But Carmen came around because um, <laughs> he ended up breaking his hand oh, the day right, before. So we had a series of events. So he broke his hand on the 1st of June. My birthday was on the 2nd of June and I went into labor on the 3rd of June. Oh, my And to gosh. put it into perspective, Jay had like this Wolverine type cast. His whole arm was in like a 
a whole like his so whole he was ready to be up. a dad. Yeah. <laughs> Two hands yeah. on. Yeah. Even <laughs> we went into A and E and they and they assumed that I was giving birth, but actually it was just for Jay's head. <laughs> They're like, no man, you've come to the wrong area and you're like, no, unfortunately I haven't. Although fortunately they asked me how far along I was and at that point I think I was forty one and two and they hurried us straight through just oh, in case I did yeah, go good. into labor. Quickly. Then you took the pillow out once you were getting seen to. <laughs> but can you tell us about those last couple of weeks of pregnancy? Because I know that they were also, you know, overdue. Yeah. You found it really difficult being overdue. Yeah. yeah. So again, I, f- I feel like I've got this fear that whatever I have to say is going to come across really negative. But again, it's to be completely raw and honest, this was just my experience. And if anyone's had an experience like that, I just it's amazing that they can feel like they're heard. The last couple of weeks were really tough. I know I've spoken about like the third trimester being really tough, but <laughs> it got tougher, <laughs> believe it or not. At 40 weeks, I was feeling like pretty good and I was ready to go and I kind of had done all the things that they say, like I turned my phone off and I just tried to make the most of my time with Jay and did all of that. At 41 <laughs> or just 40 and a bit, things changed for me and It wasn't the fact that I was over because I know lots of people could, and it's spoken about, they get that anxiety once you start going over, you've got the ticking bomb of like, okay, can't make it to 42 or whatever, whatever. For me, it wasn't that. I didn't really care about the due date because again, my faith, I just went, well, when she she or he is meant to be here, that's when she's meant to be here. For me, it wasn't that. But something chemically changed with me. It just felt like my anxiety was just through the roof. I kept talking to my midwife. I was like, I need to have my induction booked in. Like I just need to book it in. It needs to be this week. I'm telling you now it has to be on. I think it was a Thursday. I have to have her on Thursday. Even though prior to what I just said, like what I just said before, I didn't care about her due date. I just said it needs to be out. It needs to be out. And unfortunately for me, they had a very busy week. I went through a public hospital. So they had lots of women that are giving birth that week. And lots of women getting booked in for induction, so they were really busy. So the earliest they could get me booked in, I think, was 42 and 1 or something. And um, at this point, I'd had a few stretch and sweeps and – or one – sorry, one stretch and sweep. Surely you called Dr. Timmy to fly up and just give you some what, sort pop of – Well, pop her on a droop at well, home. I mean, no, I mean, just break sure those was, waters, Timmy. I, I already asked when I was sitting you in did, the corner you when did. you guys did your induction. I think I was, what, 40 weeks or something? Yes. I was joking that Timmy could just do me in the bathroom. You weren't and joking. Whip her out. I wasn't joking. <laughs> um Anyway, and I kept begging them and I actually ended up having a psych evaluation because I was that distraught. It wasn't anything severe, but they did bring in like an obstetrician and some other doctors and a psychologist and they asked me what was going on and why that I was so insistent. And I had no other words other than like, I'm telling you now, like I need to be booked in earlier. This baby just needs to come out. And I just felt like. Like did you feel like something was potentially going to go yeah, wrong? Like yeah. you just had an intuition knew. that. I, I just right. knew. Like it was, and I feel like. Again, what I'm saying with pregnancy being such a spiritual thing, I really I think it is women's intuition, particularly when you're pregnant, I just think is unbelievable. Yeah. Like the stuff that you are, you pick up, your spidey senses, because you have to to protect your baby. Mm-hmm. It's such a, yeah, like a criminal thing. And I just was like, it needs to come out. Like what can I do to to persuade you, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So they ended up moving me to 40 two weeks so it was one day early which was just ridiculous and um they offered me another stretch and sweep and so I took the stretch and sweep this was on my birthday it was horrible so on my birthday I had Jay with a broken hand a psych assessment and a stretch and sweep I was like this is fucking worst birthday of my life and no baby and no baby however I was slightly relieved that baby obviously wasn't going to come out on my birthday yeah you don't want to share your birthday it was horrible anyway go home that night and um, at 1 a.m., so an hour past my birthday, <laughs> I had my first contraction, which I was super what? relieved. Yeah, it was crazy. Is this the day you were supposed to go and have a... No, no. the stretch and sweep was another week away oh, or something. Okay. The induction. I mean, the induction was another right. was another week away. Yeah, so it like maybe the stretch and sweep helped me. But No, so- your baby heard you saying <laughs> to anyone that would listen, I don't care when this baby comes, but it better not come on my birthday. And it's like, yes, mummy, yeah. I'll start... Contractions so at one past midnight. So that I can't quite remember the days. I think it was a Thursday in which I told my obstetrician, not my obstetrician, the obstetrician and the midwives in which I needed to be induced. And she ended up being born on the Thursday, which mm. is just super wild. Yeah, so she ended up coming out on the day in which I wanted my induction booked. And um, 
the irony of it all was when she came out and my placenta came out, the midwife said to me, oh, wow, I can understand now why you really wanted her out because your placenta's died. Oh, my fucking God. My placenta was white, like white, dead. And they said if I had gone any further that my birth would have been really complicated. It was pretty wild. So, so women's can intuition. They, <laughs> can they check that? Well, I don't know. Can I just say? And that's not to scare anyone it's out not, there. It's just to listen to your intuition. It, it, it really is. Like there are a lot of doctors and, look, doctors, nurses, everyone's doing the right thing. But as you have been mentioning throughout this episode, the importance of listening to yourself, not your partner, not your doctor's, if you have that gut instinct, that clearly was something that was telling you, hey, like that that's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And I like Soph said, I don't mean to like scare anyone, but again, that was, no, this was mean, just my experience. No, I mean, your body went into labour, so it obviously yeah, knew yeah. that it had to give birth. 100%. And like, yeah, not to scare anyone, but that just was my experience and yeah. there's no sugarcoating it because that's just what it was for me. So, yeah, if I can say anything out of it, was it's just to trust your intuition. In saying that, I had an amazing birth, which was amazing. I loved giving birth. Give me that any day of the week, I reckon. Oh, that's what I say. I said I'd rather (laughs) give birth once a month for nine months than have to do nine months of pregnancy. The amount of times that I can't stop joking about getting a surrogate. I remember I was driving. (laughs) I was was going to a ceramics class and I looked up the end of the street and Katie was hovering around. I knew she was in labour, early labour and there was this epic rainbow across the whole sky and I looked down and like right in the middle was Jay holding like helping Katie walk just to to keep labor going and I was like that is no I didn't that is the most picturesque I took a photo of myself (laughs) under the rainbow (laughs) (laughs) so your birth was good which is fantastic tell us a little bit more about that yeah my birth was like everything I I didn't have a birth plan but it was everything that I kind of would ever have wanted pretty much it was the only difference is that I'd probably would have liked to have had her out in the bath but in saying that I had she nearly came out in the bath which was nice I had a slight I got dehydrated in the end so they had to put a drip in me but yeah birth was amazing I think for the first time in nine months it just felt like this pain was productive Mm. and there was a reason I was uncomfortable and I was ready to run a marathon. I was so ready to go. And same with Jay. He was amazing. We did this calm birthing course. <laughs> no, he really was. Like, oh, it was just, it was amazing. It was magical in so many different ways. Like, in the early stages, it's going to sound super weird, but just the smell of him would make a contraction come on. It was oh. so wild. Like, every time I wanted to have a contraction, I would just sniff his neck and literally it would come on. It was just this That's beautiful, <laughs> yeah, it was in yeah. its purest form. And it was just like, Early labor, we went for a big walk. We played games at home. We chilled out. We went into hospital later that night. It was just, yeah, it was really, really beautiful. For me, I feel like my mentality changed the moment I knew I was going into labor because being really, really sick, and if anyone's listening that is really sick in pregnancy, you just don't have a lot of that like positivity and, oh, tomorrow will be okay because you just feel like absolute shit. But the the moment that you go into labor, it's like all this energy is stored within you and you're like, I know that in hopefully 24 hours, like I'm going to have a baby, like everything Mm. right now is working towards that moment. And I don't know, it's like this energy that just comes out. Mm. And I, like you said before, Soph, you could give birth every one day. I agree agree because what you get after that is this release of hormones Mm. and this release of, honestly, Anyone that's sick, do you not feel instantly better the moment yeah. you give birth? 100%. You don't feel sick anymore. You no. don't feel nauseous. It's oh, gone. I mean, I, I was vomiting through my... <laughs> but after you give birth. But, yeah. Gone. Yeah, yeah, I remember sculling a bottle of water yeah. and asking Nick to get me a salad and I had not eaten anything that was even close to a shade of green for nine months. And yep. I, the crunch... And no, I didn't get a salad. I got a grilled burger. <laughs> <laughs> the crunch Plus of the, the lettuce. lettuce in the burger, yeah. I was like, yes. Give that to me. Yeah. Give it I to me. I had Maccas. Did you? Yeah, was there a pickle or something in there? It's vegetable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a pickle and there was a bit of lettuce actually. It was yeah. a chicken burger oh, and a cheeseburger on the side. Absolute guru. For me it was when the placenta came out, which is wild. So when she came out I still felt like pretty yuck. Yeah. And then I 
knew that I wanted the needle, whatever it is, yeah. the syntocin to, get, to, get, the, to yeah. get the to push the. I mean, out. fair call. It's fucking dead in well, you. Well, yeah. Like, as soon as that came out, and I remember so clearly, Jay and I were like, I mean, <laughs> was it? What do you have a photo of it? Um, no, I don't think I do. But yeah, it's just such a relief. I remember Jay looking at me, going, "Whoa, you're back!" Like oh. instantly, we just had this moment before we'd even like processed that I had a baby. Jay kind of just looked at me and he was like, "Whoa." you've changed like it was just this like oh my god like something in your eye yeah, yeah. legit like a hundred percent like something had just lifted and changed this like demonic hormones that was about oh, yeah. like in me had just lifted and we were different so yeah it was really cool and so if there's any people out there that are like you know waiting to go into labor or waiting for their c-section day or whatever but like what tips would you give them to get through those last weeks or days and to get them through their birth a lot of like the ones that you often hear like switch your phone off like just embrace being with your partner as much as you can know that you will eventually give birth Mm, yeah it will happen in no matter what format it will happen yeah and just you know, set some little tasks for yourself to achieve in the day. It could just be brushing your teeth or it could be like making your bed, but yeah. like at least you've achieved something for that yeah. day. I think that That's for great. me like really helped me. As long as I like brush my teeth and make my bed for the day, I've achieved something in that day. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's all I would say. And and just, yeah, if anything, just trust your intuition and just hone into that as much as you can. And then newborn days, tell us about those. Yeah, they were awesome. Fuck, nothing prepares you for that smell, eh? They smell so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to be bought. You've obviously got a thing oh, with Oh, uh, my God, smells. Yeah, though, I do. Yeah. Um, Only your family's uh, odors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> always comes around to my house and just shoves her nose on my armpit. <laughs> definitely don't. Definitely. <laughs> um, you definitely wouldn't now. I'm sweating up a storm. I know, I can smell you from here. No, I can't. I'm joking. Um, but, yeah, um, the smell is just unreal yeah it was awesome it was so blissful it really is like the biggest love bubble you can be in it wasn't for me like the love for Pippi it was like falling in love with someone it's like for me it wasn't like this instant overwhelming like I'm at capacity instantly it was like a small thing that was like grew like I I don't know if that makes sense it's like when I first met Jay like I thought oh wow he's something special and then the more I hung out with him the more my love like yeah. grew. Because I feel like yeah. it's one of two ways. Like it's either instant or it's a bit more of a slow burn and yeah. growth. But yeah. in saying that it wasn't like, oh, I like I have no love for you. It just no, was no, like no. this yeah. slow, like beautiful blossoming thing that I like was amazing. And how was it like giving birth to a mini version of your partner? <laughs> because she <laughs> How is, was it pulling Jay out she of her is identical? Well, I felt like um, when she came out, this is going to sound so heavy, but um, all my friends who were pregnant at the same time had had C-sections and they had, like, I'd seen photos and they're, like, these beautiful, like, tiny little babies. Like, Pippi comes out, like, she got stuck in the birth canal for, like, a hot sex so her head was, like, all, like, cone-shaped. Not, they didn't use the cone but because it, like, mm. went through the canal. Yeah, yeah. And then she was overdue so she was like puffy as and um her skin was all falling off <laughs> and she like she came out and jay with. and i were like oh dear we were like i don't think maybe our jeans literally we match. said to each other we were like i don't think our jeans like worked well <laughs> together and the midwives were like what do you mean she's the most beautiful thing in the world like she's so beautiful like and mum was like oh Oh my god, this is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. <laughs> and literally, Jane, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to go through that again to get a good one. <laughs> it was so heavy. And look at her now. But then she like de squished and like yeah, de- puff yeah, out. They, well, she yeah. she got really. But I remember cute. even when I met her for the first time, Katie was saying stuff like, oh, you know, and like, and she'll like get less puffy. And and you know, she'll, and I'll be like, Katie, it's fine. I think she's really cute. And she'll be like, yeah, yeah, but like this will like happen. No, that looks <laughs> this is the only thing that matters. But I think we can all be clear on the fact that any newborn never looks anything like they first came out ever. Like yeah. they yeah. change every day, every week and totally still changing. Yeah. I mean at the time I thought Poppy oh, when on. she was first born was so cute. And now I look back at photos yeah, and, and you're like, like oh. you were such a scrawn. Like what? And did you decide on breastfeeding or bottle feeding? Um breastfeeding? Yep. How did that go for you? It was actually better than I thought 
I have like eczema and I've had eczema since I was a kid. And um, thank goodness the majority of the listeners are females or men that have been through birth or about to go through birth. (laughs) But I would often get like eczema on my boob. And so I'd experienced nipple cracking like before. Oh, wow. So I was really anxious that my breastfeeding journey would be really bad um, and that I would experience that pretty early on. But thankfully, she latched really well and that was really great. I had supply issues to begin with that I like my supply was quite low to get in. So I had to pretty soon go into a pump to try and boost my supply, which I found really confronting and I didn't like that because A, it hurt and B, I just felt like I had already had this weird thing about my boobs with the eczema and stuff. I just, I, the idea of sitting and pumping just like. And it was so it, time it, consuming. Yeah, it was bad. And on top of that, the week that I had to pump my partner, Jay, he was away for work for a week and that was week two. So I was by myself having to feed, pump, top up, feed again, pump, top up, like all through the night. So it was, yeah, it was really, really challenging and like still healing and all that sort of stuff. And I ripped a stitch as well. So that was kind of like, it was all going on. But then, yeah, I'm now no longer breastfeeding. We're like eight months. Every now and then she dabbles but that's about it. Yeah, do you want to talk about why you decided? I mean, I know that was like an emotional journey why you decided to stop. Can you tell us about that? Yep. So, man, I just feel like my whole journey, I've got so many issues. Not at all. No, not at all. You're just being honest. This is vulnerability. This is like the truth that no one really speaks about and listening to you in myself there are so many things I can agree that I went through as well. Also, as you said, like your pregnancy and your birth and your breastfeeding journey, et cetera, it wasn't complicated, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. And I think that's the thing. Like, of course, we can be so grateful to have an uncomplicated pregnancy, Mm. but that doesn't equal easy. Mm. That's like, I'm so grateful that I had fast births that were uncomplicated, but far out, they were not easy. And of course, I wouldn't wish that away to have a long complicated one or anything but it's just we can still say those things are challenging (laughs) totally so the breastfeeding journey for me was yeah it was like beautiful because I was able to breastfeed really well my supply came up after like a few weeks and Pip loved it I loved it things were going really great it was like I had those beautiful blissful moments of being able to sit on the beach and breastfeed and just Mm. feel like total fucking boss and just like killing it but then at about Three and a half months, four months, my body changed a lot. I ended up gaining up a lot of weight really, really quickly, which to put it into perspective, during my pregnancy, people would often comment on like how small I was and I'd barely really gained any weight really. Like if at the end they were kind of worried about pip size and they were encouraging me to eat more. Not that I wasn't eating, but I've like I said, I've always been a really active, fit person. So at three months, I was back doing exercise. I was eating really clean, feeling amazing, like awesome. Finally, after this marathon of just Mm. feeling like absolute crap and I started to feel strong and I was like exercising and feeling great and gained weight really, really, really quickly, which I found really, 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 really challenging because I had just gone through nine months of physical change growing a baby but also a huge amount of mental change and then finally I had this opportunity to start feeling fit and great in my body again and good in my mind again then I didn't recognize myself in the mirror and like even Jay I remember him going to me whoa like your body has changed so much almost overnight and that it was really 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 tough for me and at the time I didn't really feel like I could talk to anyone about it because body image is something particularly in this day and age that is sensitive to talk about, I think. And in so many ways, I think I should just be so grateful for that my what my body's doing and it's feeding a human. But for me, I couldn't even look in the mirror. I found it so confronting. I didn't recognize myself, nothing fit. I didn't know how to dress for this shape that I was anymore. It just, yeah, I, I, the, I'm repeating myself, but the only words that I can say was confronting and really difficult. So, and did it come down to the fact that because I actually put on weight when I breastfed Yumi, I was exactly the same as you, tiny when I was pregnant. Yeah, but it just went boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So was that what you put it down to breastfeeding? Well, yeah, and my thyroid function. So I just stuck at it, thinking she's 
having more calories. Maybe my body needs to give her more calories when she goes on solids. Maybe it'll change. It'll My weight will change and whatever. It's only like what's another eight weeks or something. Like I've endured nine months of mm. challenge. Like what's another eight weeks I can see kind of wishing and hoping that instantly it would change and I would feel good in my body again and myself. And I definitely wasn't expecting to look like what I used to be. I mean, I just had a baby, right? Like it's not, I didn't have those expectations, but just to be able to recognize myself again or like maybe hopefully fit into something that I used to wear. Um, couldn't even fit into stuff that I wore when I was pregnant. It was just so, such a different body shape. And so like the duality of loving breastfeeding and then thinking perhaps it was breastfeeding and I Googled everything, couldn't find anything on the internet couldn't really talk to anyone about it because everyone it puts there is a lot of pressure I think to say like breast is best Mm. there is that pressure like I felt that guilt of like or if I go to formula maybe it'll change my body and it will make me feel better but also like I've never been through this before so as well so I don't want to give up breastfeeding and then nothing changes and then again having to go through that conversation of like well maybe I'm just gonna have to accept that from now on I'm this size and Again, it's something else that I've had to endure and change for the benefit of having a child and good thing she's bloody wonderful and she turned out all right. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I ended up talking to my GP about it, getting a bunch of bloods done. My thyroid function had changed and it was like functioning lower than like a underactive thyroid, but not super dramatically, like not to the point of being medicated, but certainly encouraged to discontinue breastfeeding. Purely for the sake of that, the prolactin, I think that's the hormone that you mm. produce, is messing with my thyroid function and my metabolism too. She had advised me to stop breastfeeding. So that was actually really relieving. It made me feel I remember hurt. I saw you that day and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you're like, no, like it, you were like, it's almost like I needed to be given permission to make this yeah. decision, which it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. But I totally understand why it felt that way. And I remember you saying, oh, I just feel like I'm giving it up for such a vain reason. Totally. And I'm like, this actually isn't even about like size or whatever. I remember you just saying like, I just don't feel like myself and I don't feel healthy Mm. and I don't feel like me. Yeah. Yeah. Even if someone said like from the moment that the baby comes out, I don't want to breastfeed because I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't want it. That is enough of a reason. And that. And I remember Katie saying to me, I just want to make it to this month. And I said, but why? Mm. I was like, no one else cares. Like you were really mentally struggling. Mm. And I was like, like, what is it? Like, what are these check boxes that you're like, who, who are the check boxes for? Mm. And you're like, oh, I just kind of think it sounds better if I can say that I like breastfed up until this stage. Yeah. And this conversation is why it needs to be heard because the more people be honest and open and say, I actually didn't feel that great breastfeeding Mm. to a certain point. I mean, I started mix feeding at uh, four months Mm -hmm. because I had postnatal depression Mm -hmm. and it was much better for my mental health to have my partner help me in that feeding journey because I just, it was too much pressure. And even if you don't have a mental or physical issue with yourself and you purely just feel like, it's not something. There are so many good formula options out mm. there. We are living in the right time that has so many really good ones that if one doesn't work, you will find another one. So if anyone is out there, I mean, we had someone on our um, Mama Make Chats asking about bottle feeding questions. There are people out there that want to have this conversation. But it's because also people feel lost. Like formula brands aren't allowed to advertise. So Anytime sad. you go on their websites, like warning things, things pop up like you're poisoning your child Mm. like yeah and it's just like so how are people meant to get information like I'm pretty sure you go on the sites and there's like a parent thing and then there's a doctor's thing and if you click on the doctor's one you get information about the product and if you click on the parents one I'm pretty sure it comes up with all these warnings and tells you breast is best it's ridiculous Mm. makes me so angry that is best yeah, I ended up the transitioning to formula was actually a little bit easier in the doing than I had thought because I had to do the top up feeds when she was newborn. So she was used to the bottle. And I went back to work when Pip was like a couple weeks old. 
So um, Jay was helping with the feeding and so was my mum. So oh, that's th- that was easy. That was pumping my boobs for yeah. the bottle. So she took the bottle really easily. And, yeah, the, the thing that I probably wasn't prepared for that, A, I didn't find any information on the fact that you can gain weight from breastfeeding anywhere. And apparently it's actually more common than what I've found out. Mm-hmm. Um, the more people I have been vulnerable and spoken to about this journey, the more people I have found out have had similar things that happen. Their thyroid goes funny or they just, literally gain weight or they eat more because you get so fucking hungry mm-hmm. but I was just watching all these not to put quotations around but lots of supermodels and all my f- lots of friends that I'd had that had the opposite effect well I mean I do the opposite yeah um and that's not because of something good I've done that is just what happened Happens. I mean you yeah. were around me the whole time that Goldie was a newborn and um Are you is she the the model that- yeah she's I'm the model yeah, yeah she's gone, about, obviously. Uh, not at least <laughs> But then I found it kind of confronting after I stopped breastfeeding that I put on a bit of weight, which is fine. Like it wasn't anything extreme, but it is funny when you've, you know, after pregnancy, I didn't even have to think about it because I just breastfed and it fell off. And that's not to be rude to you, but that's all you hear. Yeah. Like that's all I yeah. heard is Don't breastfeed. Don't Yeah, breastfeed and it will melt off you. Bullshit. No. <laughs> and even you exercising. So you exercised more when you Correct. were breastfeeding than you were when you were pregnant. Correct. And you were gaining, gaining, Correct. gaining. And eating better. And I remember you saying to me, you were like, I can't exercise anymore and I can't eat any healthier than I am. And I remember being like, Katie, this isn't healthy. Mm. Like you, this mm. shouldn't be you shouldn't be trying to work out how many times in a day you can fit in exercise or how you can like tighten up your diet. Correct. Yeah. And I know like a couple of weeks after you gave birth, you started doing jobs here and Mm -hmm. there, but I feel like in the last, I guess, month or so, that's really picked up Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, She's back, baby. Yeah. How have you found that? And how how do you feel about work now? Yeah, I was, I think because as soon as Pippi was born, um, that cloud and just lifted for me. I didn't have baby brain. I was managing really well with the sleep deprivation. I think because of my job, I was um, quite used to waking jet up lag. jet lag. <laughs> and I just think of like perpetual jet lag, which sounds like very bourgeois, but it's like when you're just constantly jet lag yeah. forever. So I was used to that and like crazy call times. I'm used to waking up at 3am to go do something. So the sleep thing never bothered me. So I felt like the fog had lifted from me and I was finally ready to actually think about things. And a lot of my job is to conceptualize things and to think things through in so many different ways. Mm. Like, I don't know. Yeah, just very heavy conceptualization. So, yeah, I was so excited to be able to use that part of my brain again, which I had thought was gone Gone forever. Yeah. And so for me, work is such an outlet of I don't like to put my identity into my work because my identity isn't my work. But it is a big part of who I am and what I like to do and I find a lot of purpose with that and with creating. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed working. But, yeah, going back to work has been amazing. Definitely the biggest challenge is time management. When a couple months into Pippi, I realized that just your whole value on time changes. Like people that fuck me around, I can't be fucked. Yeah. I don't have time for you. Yeah. You know, if you've got issues, I'm sorry. Like I don't have time for you. Remember how we used to always talk about love languages and mine is like quality time and having my time respected. Do you see why now? Because it's like if someone fucks you over time-wise. Yeah. It's just half an hour means, I mean, I'm often here half an hour late. Sorry, Jade. Yeah, I was going to go, but that's the day that our kids are at, like, you know, childcare anyway. But I'm like half an hour is like a decent chunk of time now. Yeah, just the the way you value time changes. And I think in a bigger scope of that is also what you're doing with your time, like how you value your work and what you're doing with that. Definitely I went through, I've gone through stages of like, well, what am I doing with my life? Something that I don't think I was quite prepared prepared for was that shift in identity that just happens that when you have a kid I remember saying to Sophie when I first were pregnant my identity is never going to change and (laughs) one of my goals is to keep it the same and in so many ways I have managed to like stay true to myself and kept my rituals and things that I like to do but it does just change and I think that's just because your values change and the way that you see time and the way that you value relationships as harsh as it is if someone's not filling my cup up I just don't have time for you I don't like I can still love on you and love who you are but 
it's like, yeah, it just changes. So with work, it's kind of, I'm not taking on the little tiny jobs unless they're going to fulfill me. And I know that sounds really selfish, but it's like, you only have a limited amount of hours between naps, feeds and like partner time and like one-on-one pippy time and family time and then email time and whatever. It's just ridiculous. Well, speaking about time, we're running out of time. So (laughs) we're going to leave it with one last question. What would you like to tell mums-to-be or new mums out there? I know I've put you on the spot. Just a little. It's just, just a little just, question, just you know. Just, just, just a little Just a little question to make everything okay. I feel like I don't want to just give you a bunch of cliches, but I feel like that's all that's coming to my brain. No, it's just whatever like, comes to your mind. Trust your intuition. For a reason. I love it. Well, I just feel like we are given – it's such an undervalued skill and I feel like it can be so clouded, particularly because of social media and the other thing. There's so much head noise these days and there's so much like expectation to have all the answers when sometimes the answers is just like a tiny little feeling or a little voice inside of your head that doesn't need to be articulated, but you just need to act upon it. It's like intuition, I think, is one of the most powerful tools we have as a human. And in many ways, I feel like we are removing ourselves from that intuition because of X, Y, Z expectations. So I think maybe if there's anything I can say is just, yeah, trust your intuition. You've got all the answers. Just be brave enough to listen to them. I feel like I've been sitting here squinting and nodding at you like, yeah, yeah, the whole time. <laughs> You're going to need to get your bobo touched I, off after yeah. this one. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, girl. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this experience. It has been absolutely like I've really treasured this chat, so thank you. Yeah, same. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. I know that you've talked about things that, like, yeah, you haven't actually probably even spoken to that many people about, but, hey, now thousands of people know, so thanks for that, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Our listeners know things my husband doesn't even know. And mine. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.